Are you ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Soulful MBA Podcast, episode 65. I could guy. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm joined with my co-host Sandy Connery. We had to practice we saying that word for a while. A lot. I could guy. I could guy. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I could guy. So Sandy, what is I could guy for folks who have not heard of this term? Don't you love the word? It's a Japanese word, and it's really the reason that you get up out of bed every morning. Yeah, it translates to reason for being. So we want to talk about this because we've been reading multiple articles about this word lately for the last few months. It caught my attention a couple months ago, right around the new year, because we were doing some work on formulating our quintessential business framework and our core values framework, and it seemed to match pretty well. And I know a lot of folks in the Western world, we talk about core values when we're thinking about how to craft a life and a business around, you know, what we're good at, what we're interested in, and what's meaningful to us. And then I came across an article on the World Economic Forum website or something like two or three months ago talking about this Japanese concept of aikigai, and it really was the same thing I had come up with myself and that I think a lot of other people use in their own lives. And so we just thought we'd have a conversation about core values and aikigai and how you can use frameworks like this to come up with what you're going to do in your business. So to come up with a business plan or a yearly plan or a reason for being online. Yeah, I think that this is interesting to me, Jenny, because, you know, historically, and I think probably part of the masculine economy would take the stand that if you're going to build a business, you should build a business where you're going to make money. So think about, you know, where there's a need and where there's a pain and which industry has a lot of money and go after that. And you and I both bolt from that kind of logic. And Ikigai is the complete opposite. And it's so beautiful for that reason. So it basically, it's the intersection of what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for, so what there's a market for, and what you're actually good at and what you love doing. And that's a really mm-hmm. cool way to approach your life and, of course, your business. Yeah, we'll include a link to a couple articles that have some beautiful Venn diagrams about Ikigai. But essentially, there are these overlapping circles that create a beautiful flower pattern. And Ikigai is at the center. So, for example, what you love and what you're good at, those are two of the four circles in Ikigai. And if you have both of those, you have something that you're passionate about. What you're good at and what you can be paid for again, two overlapping circles, and that equates to a profession. What the world needs and what you can be paid for is a vocation, and then what you love and what the world needs is a mission. What ideally you want in your life is is this holy grail, which is having all of those four elements present with your work. I think it's a moving target. It's something that is probably pretty hard to get to, but if you can get to that spot where what fires you up and gets you up out of bed in the morning is also something that serves the world and something you can be paid for and something that you have some sort of particular skill or talent in, like you've hit the lottery of life, right? Because then 
then it doesn't feel like work anymore. There's a great story about Steve Jobs who took a typography class for no apparent reason. It had really nothing to do with his job at that time. It was just out of something he loved and something, you know, he was interested in. So he just followed that interest and took that typography course. And taking that course completely influenced how Apple was designed many years later. And so if he hadn't been called to take that course or didn't follow that because it didn't make sense or didn't fit into the formula, or people were saying it has nothing to do with, you know, your existing job or your existing profession, you're wasting your time, you know, things could have played out very differently. And I love that idea of the importance of, sure, there has to be a market, there people have to be willing to pay for what you're offering, but also in your life, what is it that you absolutely love doing? And it may not make sense at the time, in the moment. I have a good friend that always says, follow the goosebumps, follow those goosebumps. And it, you may not have any logic or reason, but just follow the goosebumps. And that's one of the arms of Ikigai. Yeah. You know, when we were first starting software companies, Sandy, we were taught to find a market that had particular pain points, figure out what those pain points were, and then create a software product that answered those pain points or responded to it. And I I think that's a really safe way to build a business because you're building something that you know there's a need for and that people are willing to pay for, especially if you pre-sell it like we both did with our companies. But I think that the real danger in operating from that place alone is that you could get sucked into building a company that might be lucrative, but you wouldn't keep at it because it didn't fulfill you in any way, right? There's no passion. You know, we between us coached hundreds and hundreds of other people starting software companies and and mentored them. And so often people are just hungry for a market opportunity, right? Like I need to make money. I need to make money. I need to make money. And so you're like, I'm going to figure out what the pest control industry needs or, you know, whatever, whatever feel seems like there might be a ripe opportunity for a business. And yet, like, do you really want to get up and do that? Is that actually better than going to work for somebody else or whatever else you could be doing, right? While this adage of follow your passion is a little bit ridiculous, I think that there's something to it, right? We choose to think of it as curiosity, like follow what you're curious and interested in because, you're likely to want to pursue that day after day after day when things get hard. Um, But at the same time, you know, you have to have all of these things. You have to have something that's both meaningful to you and also serves other people. And then the thing about Ikigai that I love is that it also is something that the world needs, Mm -hmm. right? And that's the piece that's missing from so many conversations in the business world where, you know, you may be serving a market perfectly, like you're giving them the answer to what they're asking for. So they're paying you for your services or your tool or your goods or whatever it is. However, you're perpetuating a system or you're perpetuating something that you don't believe should exist or that you think should be phased out or should be replaced by something better. And so sometimes the culture doesn't know best. I think like sometimes an industry or culture doesn't know best. It has to be led to something brighter. Like think about all the revolutionary work that people we revere have done. Like think about the work of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the work of Gandhi, right? Those people who weren't like, oh, here's the system I live in. I'm just going to create a tool or a business or a movement that keeps things how they are, right? Like they're looking to what could be and creating that, that little burst of goodness of, of like making sure that you're getting up every day and moving the needle forward for humanity is really powerful. I think it can help you have a better life. I think it can help you create, make the world around you better. Like there's so much to that piece that is not talked about in business. Yeah, it's the meaning piece. What gives you meaning, right? There's something much bigger and deeper than just your how much money you make or 
just what your physical needs are at the moment. Yeah. And it's not just what gives you meaning. It's what gives other people meaning. Mm-hmm too. That's why I love this concept of Ikigai because it puts it all out on the table. Again, this is a little bit hard to do in a podcast because we really want you to be looking at the graphic (laughs) that showcases these intersecting circles. If you can meditate on these questions a little bit and think about what you possibly can do, and maybe it's not your business or your career, but maybe it's just a side project or something you can do and have in your life that fits this concept of Ikigai. The research, Sandy, says that this leads to longevity. You live longer, you're healthier, Uh like you're more likely to have all these other benefits by incorporating this concept or principle into your life. Yeah, and I find it fascinating that this is a cultural thing in Japan. We know that there's a pocket of centenarians in Okinawa. There's lots of theories as to why that pocket of the population lives for such a long life. But, you know, with food and water, I remember reading part of it is just how they include the more senior members of their families into their culture. They don't stick them in homes and they don't tell them to stay put and don't move and I'll do everything for you. They're included in all parts of the culture. They are active in the family. They have jobs, they have roles, they have responsibilities. And so they feel important and included. One of the rules for Ikigai is to stay active and not retire. And I find that such an interesting concept because in this culture, you retire and your career ends. Yeah. And with that, a lot of people lose their the meaning, their purpose. They don't know who they are anymore. Yeah. It helps me to think about like, do you really want to have a career that you have to retire from? Yeah. That's a bigger like, question. Like yeah. what is, yeah, what is that? I, I know Seth Godin's talked before about being on vacation. I don't know if it was on vacation or if he was on a trip somewhere tropical or beautiful. And I apologize if I'm butchering the story a little bit, but I remember him saying, you know, two women walked by him at his laptop and he's in this beautiful place. One of them made a comment to the other one, something like, oh, it's so sad that he has to work while he's on vacation. And he made a comment like, it's so sad that you have to take a vacation from your life. That's the flip side of it. There's a lot there that you could pick apart and and talk about, but I think that's absolutely right. We have data that shows that when people do retire, they're more likely to die sooner, they're more likely to be depressed, like there's loneliness, there's all these things that come into play when people leave their vocation, probably because they spend more time alone, there's probably a lot of like (laughs) other variables at play. But what if you conceive of a life where there's no end point to what you're doing with your time? that you love what you do and maybe it changes and shifts over time, but it's it's something that's just so inherently part of you that you don't retire from it. You don't walk away from it. You don't vacation from mm-hmm. it. No, I love that. I love that. It's just part of who you are and how you live and it's there's no end point. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. The World Economic Forum article, and we'll again link to everything in the show notes, um, there was a 2010 survey done of Japanese men and women where 31% of participants cited their work as their ikigai. So... This is a concept I think that's like very common, but it's not again, not just your work. So is there are there other areas of your life that you can sort of have a lot of these factors coming together in? I think it's, again, like a very uh, unusual situation where you have all four of these primary questions being answered by one thing. Right. So how do you incorporate activities or tools or 
practices into your life that answer these four different questions for you. And maybe it's not one thing and maybe it's not one business or one career. Just thinking about these questions sort of in general and how you incorporate them into your life. Yeah, and I also think to use it as a tool so that if you're struggling or something doesn't feel right or you're not happy in some area of your life, to look at this graphic that we're going to link to. Because if you are, for example, feeling like you're comfortable, but you've got this sort of emptiness happening, what's missing in your life is you're not doing things that you really, really love. Or if there's no, you know, you love what you're doing, but you have no wealth, can you shift what you're doing so that you are doing things that people are more willing to pay for? Like what part of of your life are you struggling with? Look at this graphic and it may sort of trigger some thoughts or some, oh, that's that's why, you know, I should be focusing more on this or looking more for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love Ikigai. What I was thinking we could do is also talk a little bit with folks about our own Venn diagram that we've created for our community around creating a quintessential business sure. around your core values. Because I, you know, we before ever knowing about Ikigai officially, like we had come up with our own version of this. Um, I'm sure the Japanese practice that's been <laughs> iterated on over centuries is, 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 you know, like a little bit more refined <laughs> than our process. But we are experts in our own process and not experts in the Japanese one. So our process for coming up with a quintessential business is something that suits your lifestyle, aligns with your values, and embodies your vision. So you can see there's a lot of overlap there. We have a concept that we call our touchstone, which is, again, another Venn diagram. We use triangles instead of circles, but it's the same thing. And so it's this overlapping diagram that includes your lifestyle, your values, and your vision. So your quintessential business, like your ideal entrepreneurial project in our minds falls at the intersection of those three things. So your core values are essentially, you know, what is most important to you. And we have folks go through a very quick exercise to identify their top 10 core values. It's sort of like a rapid fire situation. For example, my top core value is innovation. And Sandy's, yours is play. Play. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're very different. You think about what your top three are. So so mine, like a lot of people will say family or connection or spirituality or beauty or whatever, right? This, this sort of maps a little bit to Danielle Laporte's desire map stuff for those of you that do that work. But anyway, you come up with your list of your core values. And then what you do is you put that up against your lifestyle restraints or opportunities, right? So if you have a lot of kids or if you're in a PhD program or... You know, if you're a digital nomad and you're traveling the world, like all of those things factor into what kind of business or entrepreneurial project you can work on at any given point. We have a a system for going through and creating a lifestyle assessment where you just answer these, in our minds, like quite obvious questions about how much time you have and what your life looks like. And that will just give you a sense of what's possible for you at this moment in time. And then the final factor we consider is vision. That maps well to, I think, Ikigai as well when you're talking about like how how you can be of service to others. But for us, vision has to do with where do you see yourself? What do you want to create? How much money do you want to make? Yeah. So like where do you see yourself in the future and, and what does that future look like for you? So if you were going to create a vision board for your life in one year or six months or five years, what does that look like? And and you know, put that into put that into practice. So like how much money, where do you live? What is your house like? 
What is your day like? All that sort of stuff, your big picture vision for your life. In our mind, your quintessential business, your quintessential entrepreneurial project at any moment in time, ideally is those three factors coming together. It's your values, your vision, and your lifestyle. And and so anything that you're creating has to be made with respect to those factors or it simply won't work like you can say okay I'm going to be a startup founder and I'm going to found the next unicorn company that's worth five billion dollars but if you have six kids at home and you're in a master's degree program really (laughs) like and you're a woman really good luck with that right like you don't have room for that in your life like your life doesn't work with that right now so maybe that is your goal but you're going to have to shift some stuff in your lifestyle to make room for that goal right it's just about it's it's a really basic intuitive process but i think a lot of people don't do it because i think it's a, it's painful to recognize what's really there in your life and how that juxtaposes with where you want to be cuz oftentimes creating the future that we want to create involves making some shifts in our existing life. Yeah, because I, I think we decided to create this model because we witnessed some people who built perhaps not the perfect business for themselves and they built it based on looking at what everyone else was doing and not doing the internal work and sort of the self-examination of what resources do I have, including time and money? What do I want to get out of it? How much many hours in a month do I have to put towards this business? And, um, you know, they had to kind of backpad a little bit and redo things. So we want to get people to start out on the right foot and make sure that the business that they're designing, creating from the start will work for them as people and with their lives and ultimately reach that those final goals. And aligns with their values too. I mean, that's the other thing too. The the core values, I think sometimes get a little bit of a bad rap. They're not very exciting. We argue about it like you think they're really boring. And I don't think they're boring. I think that they're very revealing. So we don't always agree. You know, Sandy, the reason I think it's boring to you is because you're so in touch with your core values. And so for people who are like, I am all about mysticism and happiness and play, not that those are your other (laughs) values. I'm not making fun of you. I'm actually not. If that's who you are and you're standing firm and you know that about yourself, like that's actually rare in our culture. So for people like me, it was not until I did this exercise three years ago for the first time for myself that I actually understood what my values were and how when I had been taking other paths in life I realized like holy heck that is why that didn't work my top core value is innovation so for me being in law school was really hard (laughs) law is like very archaic and it's really hard to be innovative in law and I made a whole life about it for a lot of years about trying to create a whole new body like I go to law school and while I'm in law school I try to create a whole new body of law like that's what I do because innovation is so core to my being and my who I am as a human on this planet that that like just studying well and like being okay with what already exists doesn't work for me as a person that's why to me core values are so important because if if you don't know what your core values are like you really don't know what they are it's really easy to make life choices that aren't in alignment with those values and then everything kind of falls apart it's the foundational work that has to be done it's just i think i'm like many others who just want to jump into the tactics and let's do let's go let's make something happen Uh, and that's where mistakes are made because you didn't start from the foundation and then build up from that so but it's not something like if i saw a workshop or a a course on it, I wouldn't gravitate to learning about my core values because it just doesn't interest me. But I absolutely agree with you. They are crucial 
important, important, important information to have about yourself, especially in the entrepreneurial world. Yeah, they're very important. So anyway, we won't drone on too long about it. We do have a core values course in our Soulful MBA program. So for those of you who are interested in Soulful MBA the experience. You can learn more about it at soulful.mba. Um, and we may, if we hear from from some of you that you're interested in talking more about this, we can have future podcasts on it. But as Sandy said, some of you may think it's boring. And so we may <laughs> drop the subject. <laughs> boring, but important. Oh, dear. All right, let's do joy and hustle. Let's do the joy. All right. So many years ago, I spent two years studying nutrition holistic nutrition. And one of the areas that I love, love, love learning about was superfoods and adaptogenic herbs. And one of the herbs I learned about was called gynostema, and it's related to the uh, ginseng plant. So it's known for adapting to stress and improving immune system. And wherever you're out of balance a little bit, these adaptogenic herbs will bring back into balance. You can take it in capsule, you can take it in tea. It is one of the the things that they believe is is why these Okinawans uh, live to such a long age is that this this type of tea that they drink. So the joy for this week is gynostema tea. I'm going to put a link to in you in the people in the U.S. are lucky because you can access Dragon Herbs, which I think is this amazing business in the states uh, with a super interesting master herbalist who owns it. But I believe he only ships to the U.S. In Canada, uh, we just have to find local stores to to purchase this kind of stuff. But there is a guy in uh, BC that has a brand. I'll, I'll find it and I'll put it in the notes. Anyway, so I love this tea. Jenny tried it at my house. She didn't like it, but we're going to try it again in a couple of weeks because we've been talking I'm about gonna it. I'm going to try it again. <laughs> I don't remember trying it's it. It's a really... But Sandy says I pushed the mug away, which I find hard. I find that hard to believe. You were so polite about it and I know you hated it and you were just like, I, I'm not sure that I like that flavor. Thank you. <laughs> It is a weird taste, but I like trying that kind of stuff and I want to live a long life. So gynostema tea and the hustle. And we don't say herb in the United States. Oh, so for yeah. those of you well, who are confused by what Sandy said and you want to go to Dragon Herbs, is that what it's called? Dragon yeah, Herbs? Yeah, herbs. We'll put the link in, the, in <laughs> herbs. We'll put herbs. the link in the show notes. It's got an H in it. Our next podcast will be entirely about Canadian-American differences. We should start a new podcast. You know what? Maybe. I think it would be really funny. There's so many things that you and I have discovered that I bet you most people don't know on both sides. And I'm reading Mike Meyer's book called Canada. And it's like three podcasts worth of information because he's Canadian, but he lives in the U.S. So he knows both sides. Absolutely amazing. The differences between us. Anyway, we digress. Okay, so for the hustle this week, it's also a joy, but since we can only have one joy, we're calling the second joy a hustle because that's how we roll here at Soulful MBA. So my hustle is masterclass, and I'm sure that everyone has seen this. I don't know. Everyone who's on the internet has seen the ads for masterclass. Facebook, there are lots of ads. They're everywhere. They're everywhere, but I actually want to plug for this idea of you can now sign up for a yearly plan with them. I think it's 180 US dollars a year to have access to all of their classes. And these people who teach on masterclass are the pros at their craft, right? And so I just, I saw that Alice Waters is teaching cooking and Malcolm Gladwell has a nonfiction writing class coming out. And Annie Leibowitz, the photographer. Annie Leibowitz teaching photography. Can you imagine? Jane Goodall teaching conservation. Shonda Rhimes. Oh my God, Shonda Rhimes. We are going to have a whole podcast about a Shonda Rhimes quote coming out. It's going to be really Love amazing. Her. I think it is a hustle because there's something mm-hmm. about surrounding yourself with greatness. And 
we're really lucky to live in a time and in history where those of you who are listening to this podcast have easy access to the kind of genius that we have through sites like Masterclass. So just a plug there to to go surround yourself with people who are just masters at their craft. But it's also following what you love. It's one of the arms of Ikigai is to if, if that if there's something that you just love and you may not initially see where it fits in, but just follow that. Follow those goosebumps and grab a masterclass. I might actually do that, Jenny, for 180 US. Yes, I think you can get all of it. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. It is amazing. It is I just I salivate over it. And here's the thing. It's sites like this that keep me from going back to school. That also the fact that my husband has forbidden me from going back to school. I'm not allowed to go back to school ever again because I have too much school. But I love learning. That's my joy is is like lifelong learning. So surround yourself with greatness. It just it's a beautiful experience. Follow, you know, follow your curiosity. And who knows if you watch one of these classes, like you might end up writing the next Grey's Anatomy. You, you might you might become a screenwriter. You might take on a whole new hobby or passion. It's good stuff, folks. Yeah. Great. All right, folks. We will see you on Wednesday for an Office Hours episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba sample. Sample.